This is your host, Grant Vermeer, Naval Academy Class of 2017, and I'm your Academy Insider. It's my goal to be your guide through the Naval Academy experience by sharing my stories and providing you inside information into the life of a midshipman. Academy Insider is in no way officially affiliated with the United States Naval Academy. All of the content on Academy Insider is my own and does not reflect the views of the United States Naval Academy, the United States Navy, nor the Department of Defense. The Irish with a football at the one. A two-point try looming after a questionable pass interference goal. Navy leads by two in triple overtime. In motion, the tight end right to left. Sharply pulls away, hands it to Travis Thomas. Runs it right side. He'll be stopped. And so will a 43-game losing streak for Navy against Notre Dame. Four decades plus of frustration and futility of lopsided losses and narrow defeats for the midshipmen. All are forgotten on a two-point conversion run by Travis Thomas. Stuffed in the backfield by the midshipmen. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Academy Insider Podcast. So a couple of weeks ago at the Military Influencer Conference in Washington, D.C., I got the opportunity to meet Jesse Awuji, uh, and I asked him if he wanted to be a part of the Academy Insider Podcast, to which he graciously accepted. Uh, so today we're joined by Jesse Awuji, who is a class of 2010 graduate from the United States Naval Academy and was a member of the football team in 2007 when Navy beat Notre Dame in South Bend for the first time in 43 years in triple overtime. So we talk we talk about that story, uh, but we also talk about a ton of other things. We talk about Jesse's time at the Naval Academy, some of the struggles that he had with swimming, and then we jump into his career as a surface warfare officer, his transition to the reserves, uh, his transition into professional NASCAR driving, as well his entrepreneurship ventures, including a, a drag racing event company and a trucking and transportation company. Jesse's an extremely impressive individual. This opportunity to talk with him was a ton of fun, and we share a ton of insight on a broad variety of topics about the Naval Academy and life after the Naval Academy. If you're a fan of Jesse's and you're not familiar with Academy Insider, Academy Insider is designed to provide information to loved ones of midshipmen as well as prospective midshipmen to provide them an insight into what life at the Naval Academy is actually like. So if you want to learn more about the United States Naval Academy, what the midshipman experience is all about, and what life after the Naval Academy is like, make sure to check out Academy Insider at www.academyinsider.com and uh, subscribe to the podcast. I really hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thanks. All right. Uh, hey, Jesse, thank you so much for joining the uh, Academy Insider podcast. Really appreciate having you. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you. If you don't mind, just telling the audience a little bit about your one midshipman self, like what company you're in, your major, and a little bit background about you as a midshipman, uh, but then also to where you're from and what brought you to the academy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, originally I'm from Dallas, Texas. I grew up there pretty much my whole life. And, um, you know, in Texas, high school football is really, really big. So <laughs> for me, I had this goal to go off to college and play college football for a good team and 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 have fun doing that. So in high school, I was really working hard to get my skills up because when I first started playing football, I, I didn't play football like peewee football and all that stuff. Like yeah. I didn't play football until, until I was in middle school. So that was kind of the first time I ever exposed to school sports and team sports and things like that. So uh, going into high school, I didn't. I was a little bit behind people, and I didn't have the skills I really needed to to get myself to a, a, a good level. So. For me, I just started grinding really hard in high school and finally got to my point where I, I was actually good in my senior year. And during that time, I started getting recruited by the Naval Academy. They mm-hmm. came to the school. They were looking for different players and stuff like that. I fit the mold that they wanted. They wanted somebody you know had good grades and also could play football. So mm-hmm. I hit those two, those two points right there. So they recruited me. I, I looked at the opportunity as a good one to go to the academy, play college football, get a great education and graduate and become an officer in the Navy and have a career starter for me. So I was like, this is a win in all three different ways. So mm-hmm. I took that opportunity, went to the Naval Academy, played football there all four years, You know, ran track also, I graduated in 2010. And that's when I became a surface warfare officer, which was the beginning of my Naval career. Yeah, absolutely. And in regards to the recruitment process, were you getting recruited by any other schools or kind of what stood out about the recruitment process for the Naval Academy? Yeah, so getting recruited by the Naval Academy, I was getting recruited by some other schools. Uh, there were smaller schools, um, some other D1 schools like uh, Louisiana Monroe. 
they were recruiting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas State, I believe, was recruiting me at the time. Um, and some other smaller schools in Texas were recruiting me. So the Naval Academy was the best of all of them, I mean, in all different kind of ways. So I looked at it as, okay, go to the Naval Academy, get a top-notch education, play for a great football team that was winning games and going to bowl games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so you mentioned uh, that you commissioned and uh, started serving as a service warfare officer. Uh, was that what you always wanted to do when you're going through the academy? Was SWO always kind of your main choice or how, what led you to that point? When I got into the academy, so my freshman year, I pretty much made a decision that I was going to go SWO. But, mm-hmm. you know, I did have some thoughts about potentially trying to, you know, go aviation and be a pilot. Um, yeah. But for me, I was an aqua rock. So my swimming skills were not up to par. I did not float very well. And uh, because of that, it made it very difficult to to do all the swimming qualifications and and pass all the different requirements needed to to be a pilot. So because of that, I was like, you know what? I'll just pass on the pilot thing. Let me go the swell route, do my thing, and then you know, eventually go off and do some other big goals and dreams that I had in life. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't mind talking, there are a lot of people that are nervous about the kind of swimming aspect that is included in the Naval Academy, I would say curriculum. How did you manage to fight through that and get through that as someone who wasn't great naturally as a swimmer? Yeah, so, you know, swimming at the academy, they have a lot of different requirements. And I'm not sure exactly how it is now because, you know, I graduated 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. But back then, you know, we had this thing called the 40-year swim. So (laughs) the 40-year was basically where you had to swim for 40 minutes. And I can't remember how many laps it was around the pool, but it was a lot of laps. And I remember coming to the academy, I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to do this. Like, (laughs) I can barely go down and back. I mean, and and going down and back on a 50-meter pool, I mean, that was me resting for about five minutes at the mm-hmm. time I get to the 50 meter point <laughs> and then coming back. Like I, it just is difficult because, yeah. you know, my thing was I, I was never afraid of water or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. just when I get in water, I don't float. So me staying on top of the water, trying to, you know, swim all the way across, I'm fighting two different forces. I'm fighting the sinking force and I'm fighting the drag going through the water. So, you know, doing both of those, it really tired me out pretty quick. So mm-hmm. um, that was going on. And then I think it was my junior year or maybe going into senior year, they got rid of that requirement. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Because <laughs> now I get to pass, I get to graduate the academy and, and go on. So now they they had laxed it. They basically kind of brought things down. And I believe you had to just pass kind of some basic stuff like a 50-meter swim, a 10-meter underwater test. You have to jump off the 10-meter um what's it called ledge or whatever you want to call yeah, it the, yeah the tower or whatever <laughs> you have to jump off of there which oh, was scary for a lot of people mm-hmm. um it, it's a little freaky if you never jumped off of anything that high but we had to do that and then you had to do a five minute float test which was one of the toughest and most physically challenging things i've probably ever done in my life <laughs> <laughs> Try uh, to float for five minutes <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, just for anyone listening, if you are interested in the academy, not a great swimmer, there is a ton of help that they give you for swimming, a ton of instructors and like PE staff that are specific to swimming. And they have remedial courses to help you like literally from the start and basics of learning how to swim. And they will help you get to that point. Because at the end of the day, we want to graduate leaders. We want to graduate officers in the Marine Corps, and they're going to help you get to that point. So you shouldn't let it deter you if you are interested in the academy because we we find way and there are people to help you get to that point. If I can do it, then anyone can. So (laughs) all you got to do is want to do. As long as you want to pass, you will pass. There is a ton of help. I went through swim remedial stuff every year I was there from the time I got there till senior year. So there is a ton of help. They won't leave you hanging or anything like that. They They will help you and teach you what they can. And as long as you want to pass, you will pass. Yeah. Absolutely. Sweet. All right. Well, as we are recording this episode currently, it's Air Force Week. And Air Force Week and Army Week usually lead to pretty good stories at the Academy. They don't have to be specific to Air Force Week or Army Week, but Jesse, do you have any of like favorite stories from your time at the Academy, whether they be funny or just kind of important or monumental to you? Yeah, funny stories. Oh, man, a, a lot. Uh, so, um, yeah, playing against Air Force is definitely a big game for us. You know, Army obviously is a huge game. But Air Force is a good one, too, because I'm not sure where Air Force's schedule or not schedule, but record is right now. But I know when we were playing them, they were always a threat. Like they Mm -hmm. were always really, really good. So, you know, playing them, you know, was always, you know, nothing was ever guaranteed. You know, when we played Army at that time, we pretty much were guaranteed to win. (laughs) (laughs) But 
you know, against Air Force, it wasn't. I mean, they always played us tough. They're always a really solid team. So four years of, you know, just kind of barely squeaking by them every year. So um, that was fun. But yeah, um, playing at some, being at the academy, you can definitely feel the culture. You can feel the tradition. You can feel all that. Everything starts to slowly change when you get to Air Force Week. And because that's the beginning, that's like kind of the, the preseason before Army, you know, like yeah. it's your chance to finally experience something, whether you're a plebe, you're a youngster, second class, first class, you name it. It's your chance to experience that rivalry week. And uh, it's pretty crazy at the Academy because everyone, it, not that rules get thrown out the door, but rules kind of get <laughs> thrown out the door. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, what? like it's rivalry week. It's Air Force week. Let's, you know, beat Air Force. So. It's a really good week for everyone at the academy because everyone really has fun with it, has a good time, and it's just a nice relief kind of week where you're just like, okay, it's time to have fun and you know, let's get away from all the seriousness that we go through and getting yelled at all the time and this and that, whatever. Let's get to like just having fun. Like, hey, let's go all come together as one. It doesn't care if you're a plea, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Let's come together as one and let's go beat Air Force. And that's the cool thing about that week, this week. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the game. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So in addition to all of that, you know, four years, the Naval Academy, it's a pretty long time. And now that you've had about 10 years now to kind of look back on your time at the Naval Academy, how would you describe uh, your Naval Academy experience? Like how was your time uh, in Annapolis? So my experience at the Naval Academy, I thought it was pretty good. And, you know, at the end of the day, going to an institution that's going to be a tough institution, it's not going to be easy. But if it was easy, they'd let everybody in, but they don't. You know, all Mm -hmm. of us that got selected to go there, you know, there was thousands and thousands of other people who wanted to be there and couldn't. And because we got the opportunity, we kind of knew when we signed on on that dotted line that, hey, going somewhere that's going to be tough, it's not going to be easy, and we Mm -hmm. better, you know, grind our way through to get through. So, you know, my time, I feel like it was good. I learned a lot. It helped shape me into who I am today. Um, You know, it taught me a lot of different lessons about being resourceful, hard, you know, hardworking you know, how to uh, manage situations, stress and time, you know, it will challenge you in all those different ways, but it does it in a way to help you succeed. You know, it's not, the academy's not there to break you down and not build you back up. It's there to build you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and in building you, there's going to be some breakdowns here and there, but it's, it's trying to build you up so that when you get out there to the fleet, you're ready to go out there and, and fight the good fight. So um, I learned a ton at the Academy. I had a lot of fun at the Academy, a lot of good times, um, a lot of good times. You know, a lot. some people like to think that you go in the Academy, you're just kind of like almost in prison the whole time, whatever. Mm -hmm. No, like you you do get to have fun. You can can still live somewhat of a regular life in a way. You know, you can still have fun, especially, you know, outside the Academy and stuff. You know, you got downtown Annapolis right outside the Academy, which I had a ton of fun in, (laughs) you know, for some years, Um, you know. (laughs) <laughs> got to go to DC a lot. Uh, got to go to um, Baltimore a few times, and yeah. uh, traveled outside of that too. You know, so um, I had a good time, and I'm happy I went. And it, and it, you know, it. I'm glad it was structured the way it was because it allowed me to focus during the school week because mm-hmm. you know you really couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but then on the weekends, uh, you got to kind of take off and go be the regular you, the, the normal you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely, 100 percent agree with you. And I, I like the point you brought up where it's like, hey. Yeah, they break you down, but they don't, they're not, the purpose is not just to break you down and leave you there. The purpose is to build you back up. And uh, I kind of always go back to the mission statement of the academy, which is to develop midshipmen morally, mentally, and physically. And that development process, it requires a little bit of breaking down to get you out of your old habits uh, and kind of establish a baseline. But as you make your way through the academy, they're there to build you up. They're there to mentor you. They're there to teach you. They're there to coach you um, and help you like on that process to becoming the best individual, the best teammate you can be, uh, and the best person you can be. And I think that really helps because you get a bunch of people around you who are with that same goal. And that's kind of what I want to get to next is, do you still keep in touch with a lot of your roommates, classmates, and teammates that have gone through this journey with you now that you've kind of scattered uh, far and wide after graduation? Yeah, I'm definitely keeping touch with some of them for sure. So, you know, playing a sport at the academy, which, you know, anybody going to the academy, I highly suggest, like, you know, try to become part of some type of sport. You know, some of the sports are obviously a little bit tougher to be part of, like Mm -hmm. football, because they recruit, you know, most of their players (laughs) in and only a few people get to walk onto the team. But um, there's a ton of sports at the academy and, and, you know, even track, like, um, you know, track, whether it's soccer, whatever, you name it, like be part of some type of 
varsity sport if you can. Mm-hmm. And um, it will be really cool. It'll, it will help your time through the academy. Um, you'll build some relationships with a lot of cool friends that you'll hold on to forever. Um, you know, the, the academy brotherhood, like the football team, um, you know, are the alumni, alumni from the football team. You know, they keep in touch all the time. I mean, I, I get mm-hmm. emails every single week from <laughs> our alumni of the football team. So, yeah, um, it's pretty cool. And um, you, you'll build these bonds and relationships while at the academy with, you know, whether you're in sports or not. You'll build these bonds and relationships with people that you'll hold on to forever. Like the academy network after you graduate is huge. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's not just Naval Academy. It's really kind of the academy as in like all the academies together. It's huge. Mm-hmm. But Naval Academies particularly, um, we stay pretty tight. We help each other out a lot. I've received a ton of help in all the things I'm doing now, especially, mm-hmm. you know, racing in NASCAR and all that stuff. But, um, you know, that that bond, you'll form it at the academy. And, you know, friends I used to have in high school who I thought, oh, these are my great friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they kind of just disappeared. At one of the ones the academy, it was like, okay, these are my new friends. These are my new people. And you'll hold on to that forever. Yeah, a- absolutely. And you kind of talk about the the network of the academy in general, but specifically the, the brotherhood of the Navy football program. Um, what lessons did you learn as a Navy football player uh, that you have brought to racing, to business, to life? Like, what were some of those things that you learned within the Brotherhood that you continue to carry with you to this day? Yeah, so um, definitely, for sure, grind, right? Mm-hmm. Grind. So, you know, being being on the football team in the Naval Academy, um, you know, most of the teams we played against, all these big teams, we, we were at a little bit of a disadvantage um, when we played them, whether it was, you know, uh, speed or, or size or strength or whatever, all that stuff. We technically weren't, we weren't the big teams. We weren't the fast team. We weren't all that. We were just a bunch of grinders. We were a bunch of people. We put us all on the field and we were going to give a lot more effort than the other team. And a lot of times that effort is what beat some of those teams that had more quote unquote talent. So that's kind of the first place I learned that it doesn't talent just doesn't automatically make it to where you win a game. Notre Dame, you know, recruits four-star, five-star athletes every year. I mean, they're at the top of the recruiting class stuff every single year. So how in the world does this two-star team, basically full of two-star athletes, you know, beat this five-star team? Well, I quickly learned while at the academy that just because you're two-star talent doesn't mean you can't have five-star heart. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have five star heart, five star effort with two star talent can easily beat five star talent any day if that five star talent has, you know, one star heart or one star, you know, effort. So um I learned that and that's what I've been able to apply to what I'm doing now with racing and business and all that stuff is, you know, I'm not the most talented person in the world. I didn't come into the racing world just with all the skills in the world. I just came into the racing world with a ton of effort and grind mm-hmm. and and just knowing that as long as I believe in myself, I push hard, I set the goals, I go after them, I keep going and never let anything stop me. No matter how many times I get hit and knocked down, I'm going to eventually get to the ultimate goal, which is a top level in NASCAR. So yeah. um, I've been grinding and working my way up and making that happen. But I learned what I needed to learn to even be able to do and be comfortable with doing what I'm doing with taking these risks from what I learned at the Naval Academy, playing Navy football. Um, and I've applied it to life from, you know, racing, business, everything. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to a certain point where you actually transitioned out of active duty and into the reserves. Um, why not just get out completely? What made you want to stay in and be in the reserves? Um, and kind of with that, where do you drill and, and what does that include in your your normal life nowadays? Yeah, so um, right now I drill out of Ventura, California. I'm at Naval uh, Naval Base of Ventura County. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my unit is out of there. It's Naval Beach Group One, uh, Debt One One Nine, and uh, the active component is based down in San Diego, Coronado area, really. Mm-hmm. So I go down there to Coronado and drill once a quarter. But um, you know, what made me go from active duty to the reserves was you know because I was pursuing this big thing of you know racing in NASCAR yeah. and and trying to build my business empire and all that stuff. I knew there was going to come a point where like, I couldn't really go back to the ships and, and do the daily duties and daily grind of being on a ship, being a department head, um, mm-hmm. you know, running a division, running a department, whatever. I couldn't, I, there, it was going to be very difficult to go do that and go underway and go on deployments while trying to, you know, build this racing career in NASCAR on national TV and, and build my businesses and all that stuff. It's going to be really difficult. So I made a decision that, Hey, like I still want to be in the Navy. I just mm-hmm. don't want to be active duty anymore and be daily, daily, daily. I want mm-hmm. to go to something where I'm just doing it once a month. 
and I can still wear the uniform or can still be part of it and still, you know, be right there for the call. So um, I made that decision in 2017. And after seven years of active duty, transitioned from active duty to the reserves. And mm-hmm. it's been a pretty great decision and I've loved it. And um, it's been fun so far. Definitely yeah. different than active duty for sure. <laughs> um, you know, being active duty for seven years, you think you've learned the whole Navy and you know everything. Mm-hmm. Go to the reserves, and it's a completely brand new navy. It's different, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, what the heck? Which is cool. It's refreshing. It, it keeps it different. Keeps it new. Keeps your mind going, and it's not like boring. Like you, it's just it's a different world. Now I'm yeah. still learning it. Two years in, I'm still learning a lot. Yeah. Um. So absolutely, kind of moving into the reserves, but you actually started your transition into NASCAR and into business while you were active duty. How did how was that process, and how how did you manage? and balance the uh the military aspect the lifestyle while also trying to start this passion of yours to to start racing yeah definitely a balance for sure um so for me uh going from or being in active duty and also starting this racing journey and the business stuff so i didn't start at all until i was actually um on shore duty so on shore duty i had Mm -hmm. a lot more free time a lot more free weekends and all that stuff so i wasn't on the ships anymore and um, that's why I didn't start racing and doing a lot of stuff on the ships because I knew it was just going to be too hard. Like, there's, there's no way. It's, it's not going to be stable. Things are going to be all over the place. It's not going to work well. But when I was on shore duty, then I knew I had a stable life. It, I knew I was going to go to work from, you know, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And that's it. Every day, Monday through Friday, I wasn't going to have much going on at all Navy uh Navy wise, um, uh, on the weekend. So that I knew, okay, this is my schedule. I'm good. I'm not like deploying anytime soon. I'm not going underway. I'm not doing this, doing that. Like, I know this is my schedule. I'm good. And I'm in an office. I can actually, you know, use my cell phone and it not cut out because I'm in the middle of the ship or something like I can, <laughs> I can do all this stuff. So that's when I was like, okay, now it's time to go after this goal of racing. So um, there's still the time commitment part of it. I mean, you're in the office 8am to 4pm. So that mm-hmm. takes away, you know, eight hours of your day right there. Well, then I had to use the other 10 hours of my day to really focus on, uh, you know, this grind to get to where I'm at right now. So typically, you know, I go to work 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., come back home. Let's say I'm home by 4.30 to 5 p.m. in that range. Um, I jump on my racing simulator from 5 p.m. till 7 p.m., eat dinner from between 7 and 8 p.m. After eating dinner from about 8 p.m. till midnight, work on, you know, the business stuff and sponsorship stuff and connecting with people and networking and just building my brand and content creation and all that stuff for four hours. And then about around midnight or so from there, go to sleep, uh, wake up again at 7 a.m. and then do that grind, you know, over and over and over. And then, and then I started doing a thing at one point for a few months where I would wake up at 5, 5.30 a.m. and then grind until about 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. and uh, get ready, go to work at 8, 8 a.m., uh, work until 4 p.m. come back and then uh you know work on you know do my simulator stuff eat dinner all that stuff until about midnight or so so uh, i did that for a little while and that helped (laughs) me get a little bit more of a uh it helped speed up a few things for me yeah absolutely like you're saying the grind grinders just gotta gotta keep going um and you mentioned you mentioned your simulator can you explain a little bit about what the simulator is how you use it um and kind of uh, yeah, I don't know. Tell us about it. So if you see this thing back here, mm-hmm. that is the simulator right there. Okay, <laughs> that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, basically, what it is is so. So I have a simulator rig um, in, in in the room in my house, and um, basically what it is is it's a it's a it's a racing seat, steering wheel, uh, pedal like pedals like you know your gas pedal, brake pedal, clutch pedal. Um, and then a shifter, you know, it's a six speed shifter. And basically I have this uh, software on my computer called iRacing and iRacing is a simulator software that, that basically has, it's, it looks like a video game. People will think it's a video game if you don't know any better, but um, it actually simulates real life racing. So when you get in it and you start driving the vehicle using your equipment that you have, um, it, 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 the feel, the dynamics, all the, everything feels the same. The tracks look the exact same as real life. Um, everything to kind of simulate real life racing. So you get on there and you, and you race against other people. You don't race against a computer mm-hmm. or you can practice by yourself and train by yourself. But I use it pretty much, you know, a couple hours a day. Uh, to really hone my skills and train it since I can't go test real race cars all the time because testing real race cars gets really expensive really quick. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
And people see all of this stuff that you're doing. You're talking about, hey, I was training uh, for my NASCAR stuff. I was going to work. I was coming back. I was training more. I was building my brand. I was doing my business. I was doing all these things. And people see all that you're doing and think possibly like, I, how could I even start to do all those things and accomplish all those things? And that's at the academy too. It's like, how do I get all this stuff done? I have the military aspect. I have the academics. I have athletics. I have all this stuff going on. So I guess my first question for you is, how are you at managing your time at the academy? And then what advice would you give to all of those people who are kind of feeling conflicted about how they should prioritize their time in order to reach their goals? Yeah, so at the academy, how I managed my time was um, you know, kind of similar to what I do now in a way. So, you know, I obviously going to school, you know, from morning till late afternoon, I'd had a football practice, um, you know, uh, in the afternoon till evening eat dinner and then work on homework stuff from around eight or so PM, seven, seven to 8 PM or mm-hmm. so all the way to about midnight or so. So same kind of similar breakdown as I have now, but and in a day there is time in a day. Um, you know, there's 24 hours in a day. Really, honestly, all you need is really six hours of sleep. You don't need much more than <laughs> that at all. You know, so, um, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, I don't have a lot of time, blah, 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 this and that. A lot of time they're saying that because they waste a lot of time during day. They literally break down their day and see all the stuff that they're doing. They'll start realizing like, Hey, I actually waste quite a few hours of my day doing whatever, you know, like Mm -hmm. maybe don't watch that Netflix show. Don't watch some TV. Don't, um, you know, sit there and thumb through Instagram for, you know, an hour, you know, don't, uh, you know, get off of Tinder and Bumble, like, you know, all <laughs> that stuff, you know, <laughs> like, like, swiping. just yeah, swiping, you know, cause like all that stuff, it seems like you're only doing it for a few seconds, but if you actually, like, if you, if you were like a fly on the wall and you actually saw how many times you're doing whatever you're doing and, and how long you're actually doing it, you count it all up, you, you'll see that like, this could be like two to three hours of your day um, mm-hmm. that you were spending, you know, messing around on whatever you're messing around with. Um, throw that stuff away and, and use that time to focus on some goal or whatever you want to go after. Um, you know, at the end of the day, when you're trying to go after some goal and dream, the personal time in your life, you got to throw that away. Like that's gone. You know, like you got to make a decision. Like, who are you going to become? Are you going to become the person who just wants to have all this me, me, me personal time? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to become the person who's like, I'm going to focus my energy every free moment I have towards, you know, my business that I want to build, my my goal, a sports goal, whatever you're trying to get to, uh, you know, focus time and energy on it because there is time to do it. Like, there's no excuse. There is no excuse if I don't have the time definitely have the time. If I can do what I'm doing and I know all the stuff I'm doing in a day, you can do anything you want to do. Absolutely. Um, and so we talked about, Hey, the fact you're, uh, you're still in the reserves, Naval officer, professional NASCAR driver. Uh, but you also have a racing and event, uh, a racing event company and a transportation company. Can you tell us a little bit about both of those ventures that you've got into and, and how you're taking or how you're going along those routes and, and doing those things? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I my first business I started was the events company. So I started that back in 2015. Um, the idea was sparked while I was on deployment towards the end of uh, 2014. So I had another guy on the ship who was on watch with me, and he was another entrepreneur himself. And he was just, you know, he would teach me all these entrepreneurial things, and uh, you know, teach me how to build business, run businesses, start businesses, all that stuff mm-hmm. you know, while on deployment. You know, after watch, even if it was you know, 3 a.m. or something like that. Like he'd take a few of us to, you know, some open room on the ship and just kind of teach us a few things. We'd have like this entrepreneur session, um, you know, after watch a lot of days. So, um, you know, my goal was to help him get more physically fit because he wanted to get more physically fit. His Mm -hmm. goal was to help me learn, you know, some entrepreneur tactics. So Mm -hmm. by doing that, that's what sparked the idea to put on these drag racing events that I was putting on in California. Mm -hmm. Um, because, uh, you know, I'm a a car guy. I love cars. I love racing. And I figured I could put on a good event because I knew a little bit about social media marketing. So I used a lot of social media marketing tactics and learned how to really pound the pavement on social media and get people to, you know, buy in on something and, uh, was able to build this event and, you know, started off with the first event in 2015, maybe having only 300 people total to so the second event, having about 2000 people, you know, show up. 
Um, the event I just had, uh, you know, last weekend in Phoenix, we had over 4,000 people in attendance, Jeez. the largest event I've ever had. So it's been growing. Um, it's definitely had its ups and downs. I wouldn't say it's always gone up. <laughs> uh, it had this trend where it went up, 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 up like crazy. Then it started yeah, dropping, man. dropping, dropping, dropping. Then it started going up a little bit, then kind of staying steady. And then now it's going back up. Um, yeah. And, you know, you never know. I mean, a lot of things play into it, whether things like that, especially when you're putting on events, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but, um, you know, I just keep grinding keep trying to find new ways to keep people excited about it. And, you know, we keep on, uh, you know, making good results and, and doing a lot with little. So that was the start of the events company, which mm-hmm. I still put the events on. Um, and then I started the trucking company, uh, late 2018. It was November, 2018 when that started. But, uh, prior to that, um, you know, I had nothing to do with trucking and, and transportation industry and nothing. I, I've never driven a semi truck in my life. I don't have family in that world. I don't yeah. know. I, I knew one driver, one driver, and he's the one who kind of sparked my interest in it because he was just telling me like all the things about trucking and all that stuff. Uh, we were on a long drive together. He was just telling me all about trucks and semi trucks and how they work and all that stuff. And it just caught my interest. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I started reading up on a little bit more and I, I noticed that there's a shortage of drivers. And I was like, okay, maybe there's opportunity here. Maybe there's opportunity to build a business here because, you know, people need shipping stuff no matter what. Like things have to be shipped. Like they have to go from terminal to terminal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, in it was like July 2018. From then till pretty much October, November 2018, I would wake up like at five something in the morning and do some research for a few hours each morning, learning the trucking industry. I basically use Google and YouTube. That's it. Just use both those two things. And then uh, eventually got connected to two or three other people who actually were in the industry and own their own little businesses in it and asked them some more specific questions that I wasn't really getting answers from, from YouTube or, or Google. And once I got all that, put it together and boom, started my own company. Um, I need a little bit of investment to get the truck. Obviously the truck isn't mm-hmm. free, but uh, my brothers both had some extra money saved up. So I, I got them to buy in on giving me some money to start this thing. And they were investors in the company and, you know, they have a, you know, they have a share in it, shares in it. And, um, you know, we started it and it's been going good since. That, that, that's awesome. And that entrepreneurial spirit and all those things that you're doing have really given you um, kind of a stage now. And you were actually recently a speaker at the Military Influencer Conference in Washington, D.C., which I attended. Um, and you were awesome. How do you, how do you feel about having this platform now to share your story um, and being an influence on so many people? How, like, has that, has that settled into you yet? And how do you kind of feel about that whole thing? Yeah, um, it, it's been pretty cool to have the platform that I've I've had now, um, and, it, and it's continuing to grow because the story's not over. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. probably like a third of the way through this whole journey. I'm not even anywhere near the finish. So, um, you know, it's been cool to have the platform to be able to talk about it and and hopefully inspire and motivate others to you know get up and go after what they want. And that's the biggest thing. You know, I'm just trying to show people that it's possible. Like when people, there's a lot of negative people online. On mm-hmm. social media, all that stuff, a lot of negative, <laughs> like a lot oh, of negativity. Yeah. Oh, a lot yeah. of people who tell you you can't do something for whatever reason. And the funny thing is, they never did it. Like they actually never did it themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they never even. Most of them never even attempted it. Or so, like, how can you tell me if you've never gotten to finish what it takes to get to the finish? Like yep. you don't know. Like I can't. I can't even. I can't even tell. Uh, a football player, you know, trying to go to the NFL, what it takes, even though I played college football, I never mm-hmm. made it to the NFL. So I can't literally tell you what it takes to get there because I never even made it. So I really mm-hmm. don't know how to get there because I've never even done it. So, you know, listen only to people who are there, you know, they can help you, you know, but people who aren't there, don't listen to them. And there's so many more people who aren't there than there are people who are there. And everyone likes to listen to the opinions of people who, who, who just don't know. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they just don't know. So, um, <laughs> you know, li- surround yourself around good people who have good energy and are only trying to see you and help you go up. And they're not trying to do that. They're trying to keep you level or keep you down, throw them away. They're just not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you for taking the time to share um, about some of the stuff that you're doing, uh, your current career as a uh, NASCAR, pro- professional NASCAR driver and all of your entrepreneurial um, uh, kind of things that you're doing, uh, in addition uh, to driving and being in the reserves, but I'm going to shift this back a little bit, uh, to the Naval Academy again. Um, and so we have on Academy Insider, a lot of parents and loved ones of midshipmen, um, supporting people at the Academy who, 
uh, at the academy, excuse me, who are seeking thoughts on how to positively influence the people that are currently there who are struggling uh, with a lot of the difficulties and rigors of the academic and the military stress at the academy. Uh, what would you offer to them or what advice would you share uh, to the loved ones about how to best support midshipmen at the academy? Yeah, the biggest thing is, so if you're, you know, if you have someone, whether it's family, friend or whatever, um, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever, who's at the academy, you know, uh, you know, the best way to support them is, you know, for them, sometimes they need a sounding board, right? So mm -hmm. they're going through whatever they're going through <laughs> at the academy. They're young, they're 18 to, you know, 23 years old or wherever, mm -hmm. some of them a little older. Um and, uh, you know, they're, they're going through a lot. They're still young and they're going through a lot at the academy. They, sometimes they need a sounding board. They need somebody to sometimes complain to, sometimes whine to. You know, they <laughs> did, they do need that. And, and with, and with you being a loved one or whatever and, and not being at the academy or knowing what it's like to go to the academy, there isn't really a lot that you can tell them, you know, that they might even really listen to because <laughs> you're not there. So sometimes yeah. you just got to listen to them, just listen to them. You, maybe you don't have to really offer them much. Just listen to them, be there for them. Be like, Hey, look, anytime you need something, somebody just to throw your stress out on, do that. You know, and then maybe at the end, maybe you might have a few little outside of the box thoughts or whatever that might help them. Who knows? But the biggest thing is just, you know, listen to them, be there for them, um, you know, be just always be available for them. That that will help them a lot. Um, you know, when they when when the Academy folks come, when the midshipmen come home, you know, for whether it's Christmas break, Thanksgiving break, spring break, uh, you know, anytime in the summer or something like that. When they come home, you know, make sure you're there for them too. Take them out to a good time. Make them feel normal and regular, like a regular civilian would. You know, uh, you know whether you know when they're at home, just so they can kind of experience that and and kind of get away from the academy and get away from kind of the military in a way, and mm -hmm. and and just feel like their regular life again. And sometimes that helps because you get to get away, get away from the stress or the stuff that makes you get stressed, and and allows you to kind of relax and 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 feel relieved and then then before you go back to the academy and get back grinding again and going hard so sometimes you do need that relaxation try not to talk too much about work or talk you know being at the academy and all that stuff like that stuff is you know they don't want to talk about that all the time you know or, or sometimes they're in such a grind mode that that's almost all they can talk about try to help them get away from that be like hey you're at home now. Like, let's not talk. Let's about not the academy. <laughs> let's not talk about you know your twenty credit hours. Let's yeah. talk about regular life and what's going on in the world, and let's go have some fun and relax and chill and all that stuff. Like, that's what you need when you when you leave the academy. Get away, you know. Get yeah. away and find your escape before you come back because you don't want to just be completely just all like blinded and just you know eyes in your books the whole time and <laughs> you know. Yeah, you, you got to get out a little bit. You got to you gotta have that getaway. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, shameless self-plug here, uh, parents, loved ones, that's why you have me. If you have questions, you can ask me. I'd be more than glad to answer them so you don't have to ask those questions. And you can encourage them to just kind of be in the yeah. moment, be home, unwind yeah. and relax. Um, because that is it is a difficult thing and it, it does help uh, with the constant academic and military stress that you do have at the academy is when you get home is to really just have it be a break. Um, yeah. so, so thanks for that, Jesse. Um, and then also for all former midshipmen that come onto the podcast, I do have a lightning round of questions, uh, related to their time at the Academy. And are you ready? I'm ready. All right. My first question for you is what is your favorite spot on the yard? My favorite spot on the yard, honestly, would be, um, T court. T court mm. would be my Tecumseh court is my favorite yeah. spot. The reason why is because especially in the summer when everything's all green and stuff or mm -hmm. spring going in the summer, it's all green. It is like the most beautiful scene ever. You got all the big trees, the green grass, you have T court right there, this huge, massive Bancroft hall right there. And just to see all the architecture and the, and how everything was sculpt, sculpted and everything. I mean, it, it's really cool. And, and while at the Academy, like when you were going there, like you really didn't understand because you're just in the daily grind. But once you leave, especially for quite a few years and then come back, you know, I, I, I was, you know, I left the Academy in 2010. I didn't come back again until I think last year was the first year I was actually back at the Academy on Academy grounds. It, mm -hmm. it was 
good eight years or so. So to <laughs> yeah. see everything again, I was like, wow, this place is gorgeous. So, um, you know, that's probably my favorite place right there. Absolutely. And I agree with you. When you're able to go back to the academy after you graduate, you real you finally realize you're like, wow, this place is like super beautiful. I'm just so yeah. caught up in daily life. Um, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Second question. Who or, who or what um, has the biggest influence to your leadership style today that you can trace back to your time at the Naval Academy? Yeah, people from the Naval Academy have the biggest influence on how I lead today. So, um, yeah, I would probably say uh, one of my company officers, my first, I would say my, I believe he's my first, first company officer, first, or maybe second, I can't remember, one of them. But anyways, one of my company officers that I had um, while at the Academy, he was a Marine. I can't remember his name exactly. It's been a while now, but um, just kind of the way he led us, um, I, I really liked it a lot. Like at first, you know, being a young midshipman, uh, you know, I was scared of him because he's a Marine. And and my experience with Marines when I went to NAFS and stuff like that was, you know, all these drill sergeants and all that stuff, and they were so hard and this and that, you know. So I was like, oh my god, I got a Marine. This is gonna be horrible. And it wasn't. <laughs> you know, he actually the way he led us was great, and that's the kind of same leader ship style that I took when I led my divisions and all that stuff while I was on the ships was, you know, he, we, he, we knew what he expected. He put that out clearly, but he wasn't very super hands-on with us. He let us go experience. He let us make mistakes. He let us, you know, he empowered us to, to go out and, 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 and be who we are. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he wasn't the type that was going to sit there and micromanage every little thing that we did. He just kind of let us do our thing. And he was always kind of arm's length, just kind of watching and just, you know, supervising and, and, and letting us learn. That's the biggest thing. Just let your people learn. Empower them to go out and take ownership of something. But let them learn. Let them make mistakes. Let them trip up and fall a little bit. It's okay. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Great advice. And that, that's awesome that you had a company officer like that because company officers and senior list leaders can have a major impact on your life at the academy. So to have someone oh, yeah. who empowered you, get, you guys and gave you the freedom to kind of to live and learn and make mistakes and do those things is definitely definitely really helpful. Um, all right. Next question. Now, I know you're a bit of a swotivator, so rules of the road. You're not allowed to say rules of the road, but do you have a, have a favorite book? Is there a book you like um, to read or one that's really special or important to you? The funny thing is, one, I had never actually read it, but I completely understood everything it was about. Message to Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> Message to Garcia. Like, yeah. all I, like you know, I, I still pretty much apply it to my life now and and still tell people it pretty much and yeah it's message garcia figure it out you know like when when you're not giving much resources you're not giving much info at the end of the day the mission still has to get accomplished like the mission isn't waiting on anything the mission knows no excuse the mission (laughs) only knows either you know happy like the mission either gets executed or it fails like one of the two, that's it. So you have to just figure it out. So message to Garcia. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, for for anyone who's interested, I'll actually put a link to another one of my podcasts in my show notes because we uh, that brought bring on a guest and we talk all about message to Garcia, its impact and role in Pleep Summer and and at the Naval Academy. So so good answer. I like that one. Um, all right. Next question is is what is your greatest memory? Um, from your four years at the Naval Academy, what's your favorite moment that you had? Greatest memory from four years at the Naval Academy, honestly, uh, was probably when we beat Notre Dame. I would say <laughs> when we beat Notre Dame the yeah. first time, not even the second time, the first time, because <laughs> we were at, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, uh, sophomore year there. Um, we went into, and that was an up and down year. I mean, that was a crazy year for college football in general, but for us at the academy, we were so up and down. We were mm-hmm. winning games, losing games, winning games, losing games. You know, scores were really high. We were taking people to the last final minute. Like every game was like a just a, a nail biter. Just like mm-hmm. what's going on? <laughs> and same thing in Notre Dame. I mean, we went in there, and with the season we were having, we we're like, oh man, it's gonna be really tough to beat Notre Dame this year. And then all of a sudden, we were hanging with them, and then we were actually racking up quite a bit of points on them. Our defense wasn't doing great because as many points as we were racking up on offense, their offense was wrapping that, racking that up on our defense. So, you know, we get to the final quarter, the final stand. We go into triple overtime, I believe. And we're up sitting there like, we're in triple overtime here at Notre Dame. 
it's like a hundred thousand fans <laughs> here or whatever it is there. Like we're here in their place and we have an opportunity to beat these guys. It's fourth down triple overtime. Like <laughs> this stop right here on the goal line on the goal line, by the way, yeah. this right here could end it. And by the way, this team is five star athletes bigger offensive line against our small, tiny defense. I mean, we yeah. had an outside linebacker that was only 185, 190 pounds, you know, <laughs> yeah. whereas they had offensive tackles and guards who were all 325 to 350 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Somehow, some way, we made a stop on the goal line, fourth down, yeah. third overtime, and and ended up winning this game. I mean, yeah. It was crazy. That's so crazy. to be able to rush the field, feel yeah. that energy, and just, I mean, I will never forget, like, just – Rushing the field and looking around, and be like, we just beat Notre Dame. Just happened, forty something, forty three years or something like that. At that yeah. time, it was crazy. We hadn't beat them in forty. I mean, you know, there are generations that haven't seen the victory. Yeah. You know? So, uh, man, that was. It yeah, that, that's insane. That's the stuff that you dream about as a kid, right? Now, yeah. obviously, obviously, my dreams were were basketball related. So I, I yeah. love basketball, <laughs> but I mean, that's a that's the kind of stuff. Triple overtime, fourth down on the goal line at Notre Dame. That's yeah. like you know, five seconds left. You're down by two. It's Duke versus yeah. you know North Carolina in March yeah, Madness. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what a what a crazy story. What a cool cool memory. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and the final question for you. So. A portion of our audience as well, in addition to having someone who's currently at the Academy, are people who are interested in the Academy. Um, what advice would you give someone uh, who's a high school student or a candidate about what they should consider when trying to decide whether or not the Naval Academy is the right place for them? Um, the biggest thing is to have them look past the Academy, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, line up all the schools that you're looking at, right? If you're looking at, like, I'm from Texas, so let's say mm-hmm. University of Texas, Texas A&M, um, Oklahoma, whatever, and then Naval Academy, you have all these schools, right? Like, look past the Academy. Don't just look at just the Academy. Look past it. Like, look into the future 10 to 20 years past the Academy. Like, where do I want to be in life? A lot of times, <laughs> the academy is going to take you exactly where you want to be in be in life. Yes, you have to go serve for at least five years or so, or if you're a pilot, a little bit more. But um, you know, you don't obviously have to stay in the military for your whole life. If you want to get out after five years, it's completely fine. If you want to get out after ten years, that's fine. If you want to make a career of it, that's fine. But the academy is pretty much the only school out of you know all these schools out there, minus the other academies, where. Um, you have the opportunity to once you sign the dotted line, as long as you don't get in trouble and you just pass your classes and stuff and you get through, you have a career started for you. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you don't have a job right after the Academy. You literally have a career. Like yeah. If you wanted to, like you don't have to do anything else in life. You mm-hmm. can just stay in for 20 years, retire at age 42, 43 or whatever. And, 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 you know, get paid by the government every month for the rest of your life. You know, like, I mean, that is a pretty cool deal. And the pay isn't bad at all. I mean, a lot of people struggle going to other schools coming mm-hmm. out. They struggle getting a job, you know, and you know they spend all this time in school just to get out, just to, you know, barely make any money mm-hmm. or even find a job. Whereas the Academy, like you have one immediately day one. I mean, two weeks after yeah. graduation, you get a check yeah. in the it's mail. It's a nice check you know? too. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a nice check. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is now because obviously it's gone up. But I know for me, you know, 10 years ago, I graduated two weeks later. I think my check was $2,700. $2, and I was like, holy crap. I was like, that was nice. I didn't even have done anything yet. <laughs> so um, how many people can say that? How many people can literally say two weeks after graduating school, you immediately are getting checks in the mail? Well, yeah. not in the mail, but, you know, getting, you know, direct pay or when whatever. When that direct deposit but, hit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you are pretty much guaranteed, as long as you don't get in trouble or do anything stupid, you're guaranteed every two weeks for the rest of your time in the military mm-hmm. to get a check. Like, that is really not, you can really plan your life. You're like, yeah. I know, you can literally look at these, there's a million calculators on the internet showing, you know, pay scales and all that stuff. You can see how much you're going to get paid for a while. So you can't do that with any other school. Other, other mm-hmm. schools, you can say, yeah, I'm going to go get a degree in this and try to apply that to this job. Well, guess what? You're not guaranteed a job. You're not really guaranteed anything. Like, you can go get a degree in whatever you want, and you're not guaranteed. You might have to go get your master's after that just to even 
maybe have an opportunity to get whatever job you're looking for. Yeah. So um, it's tough. You got to look at that, you know, and that's what I looked at. I was like, I'm going to look past school time. Yeah, you might have fun at the other schools, you know, a little bit more fun. You might be able to go party with your friends or blah, 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 experience college life, quote, unquote, <laughs> whatever. But at the end of the day, that's going to be gone at some point. You're going to get to real life after that. And I want it to be set. And yeah. when I look back on it, I had a whole lot more fun after I graduated the academy than I would have ever while in school and college at a yeah. regular school because you actually had money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and that's what um, all seriousness, like, lo- like looking past your time there, that was always what my dad would tell me. He's like, hey, when you're making a college choice, especially like the academy, you're not making a four-year decision, you're making a 40-year decision, right? And that's that's something like you were saying is that, hey, when you choose the Naval Academy, you're setting your life up for success um, when you do that because you you just put put on the right path. And like you're saying, you have a you have a career starting day one. Um, so thank you, uh, Jesse. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on the podcast, share these stories, talk about your time at the Naval Academy, share some of your difficulties with swimming. I feel you. It's really <laughs> difficult. I'm not much of a swimmer either. I hated it. I'm a land animal. That's what I do. Um, yeah. If people want to learn more about you, about your racing career, about your business ventures, anything like that, um, where would you direct people to go to learn more about you? Yeah, for sure. They can head to my website. Uh, they can look up jessewuji.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-I-W-U-J-I.com. Also, they can find me on any social media platform. I post to keep my social media updated on a daily basis, especially Instagram and my Facebook uh, racing page. Those get updated on a daily basis. Twitter, I update it every couple of days or so. But um, follow me on there. Just look up my name. If for some reason you can't remember how to spell my name, just go on Google and type in Navy NASCAR driver. <laughs> type in Navy NASCAR driver. I'll be the only one that pops up for pages. So uh, look me up, uh, find me, uh, you know, follow my journey. I'm super open guy. So, you know, if you need to shoot me a message or whatever, do that. I answer every message. I got tons of DMs that come in every single day. So uh, feel free to, you know, throw something at me. I, I will get it answered. Sure. I can help a lot yeah. of people in a lot of different ways. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the best way to reach me. Absolutely. I, I don't know what you're doing though. Yesterday you posted that video with the spiders on there, man. I was like, I was like whoa, 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 whoa. Why are there, why are there yeah. the spiders on my timeline right now? Oh, it, was, it was crazy. I saw that. Somebody shared it. I saw it. I'm like, holy moly, this is nuts. Oh my I was like, I don't like spiders. And then there's no. a bigger one after all. I was like, oh man, no, oh, no, me no, out. no, no, Burn that's, not, that's not for me. That's not Burn for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Jesse, again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Well, definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And for all the listeners out there, thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to find anything we talked about in the show, it will be in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. Otherwise, I hope you all have a great day and uh, I look forward to posting the next episode. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you all for listening to the podcast, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, as me and Jesse shared a ton of fun stories about his time at the Academy, after the Academy, and his current ventures, both in business and life and NASCAR and all of the above. Please leave me a review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe to the Academy Insider Podcast. If you want to learn more about the United States Naval Academy and the Midshipman Experience, go to my webpage, www.academyinsider.com, and check out my Facebook page, Academy Insider. All links discussed in the show are listed in the show notes. Uh, So if you want to learn more about Jesse, we'll include a link to his personal website, uh, as well as a link to Message to Garcia, which is a classic book choice for us uh, Naval Academy grads. Um, So all of that information will be in the show notes. Check it out. Again, I'm Grant Vermeer, the Academy Insider. Thank you so much for letting me be your guide to the United States Naval Academy.